Raiders Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, a Monday, September 13th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Countdown continues to training camp, which will be coming up next week. Rookie camp beginning this week. And, of course, last week we found out that Flyers president, Paul Holmgren, will be inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. So we get a chance to chat with the man who is going into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame on this episode of Flyers Daily, and he joins us now. Former Flyer player, former Flyer assistant coach, former Flyer head coach, former Flyer assistant GM, former Flyer GM, former Flyer president. He's done it all, and he joins us now. It is Paul Holmgren. Homer, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jason. Thank you. How's your summer been? You know what? I've been busy with, uh, you know, grandkids and a little bit of fishing, a little bit of golf. Uh, I had my knees replaced in uh, February, so that's been, uh, you know, they're finally coming around where I can play pickleball and stuff like that now. So it's it's been uh, been good. Anxious for hockey to get started again. The Flyers just had their little development camp. I was over there for a few days and gets uh, the juices flowing for hockey. Yeah, it's getting to be that time of year. It's actually a little bit more uh, hockey weather today. It's getting chilly, so it kind of feels like it's it's the right time. Uh, Paul, let's let's talk about what's happening because you know, as an American-born player, you paved the way for a lot of players, American players in this game, and we're going to talk about where the, that is now with, with the U.S. players in the NHL. You won the Lester Patrick Award a couple years back, but you know you're you're going into the USA Hockey Hall of Fame, um, and I know that. You've dedicated a lot to USA Hockey and the growth of the game, not only in this area, but in this country. Uh, what does it mean to you to have you heading into this Hall of Fame? Very prestigious. Yeah, it's, you know what, Jason? It's uh, Even though I've known since uh, the end of June, I, it's, still, uh, it's still very humbling uh, for me. Uh, I I'm not sure I can express it in the right words uh, just yet. Uh, but obviously, it's an honor. Uh, I feel, um, you know, blessed to have been able to do uh, what I've done uh, because of the game of hockey, and uh, it's it's given me a, a great life, and and uh, and I have a wonderful family to that's that's been around me and supportive, and uh, it's been great. When you look back, Paul, when did the game sink its teeth into you to to give you this life? Do you do you remember back? No, I don't because you know I I remember I remember playing in the WHA. Uh, I I was probably I, I just turned twenty years old, um, so we had we were fifty games in or something to the season, and we met as a team uh, w- w- to whether we were going to continue to play or not because the owner didn't have any money to pay us. So I had you know Davy Keon, John Johnny McKenzie, Shaky Walton. Uh, Ted Hampson, Rick Smith, uh, you know, all these older veteran players that were raising their hand to vote yes. And I'm sitting in the corner as a 20-year-old thinking, what am I going to do if the team folds? Well, I'll just go back to college and play baseball or something. Because the year before I was at the University of Minnesota, uh, and I played hockey there for one year and then turned pro. But I had no idea what was going to happen. And when did it sink its teeth in me? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just it's just been a it's been an unbelievable ride right from that from that moment on. I mean, I I think we the team ended up folding like two or three weeks later. Uh, the Flyers had drafted me prior the prior summer, um, 
I remember one game late in uh, in the in the season for the Fighting Saints. Uh, I hear this guy going, pst, pst. <laughs> and I look, and there's these big pillars, and and down below in the down below the St. Paul, the old St. Paul Civic Center, the one that had the glass boards. And this guy peeks his head around. He's this little little gentleman, and he ended up being his name was Eric Coville. He was a scout, a scout for the Flyers, <laughs> and you know he said, "We've been watching you. We're we're ready. You know, whatever happens." Uh, so you know, I, I a couple of days later, I after the team uh, ceased operation, I I could have stayed in the World Hockey Association. I had opportunities to stay there, but I had good people around me that said, "Hey." Maybe the Flyers have just won the Stanley Cup a couple of years in a row. Maybe you should, and the NHL is a little more of an established league. Maybe you should uh, consider going there. And I, I signed with the Flyers in March of '76, and uh, I, I don't know if they had, you know, they they just wanted me to wait till training camp. And I remember asking Keith Allen if I could play somewhere. It's only March, like it's, it's stupid weather in Minnesota still. Why I want to go play hockey. Yeah, and they sent me to Richmond, and I ended up playing a game for the Flyers that year. And then I, I heard I had an eye injury that knocked me out after that. But uh, that was that sort of started a magical ride for me with the Flyers, and uh, you know, it continues to go on. And like I said, I'm excited about the Flyers this season, and uh, I think Chuck's done some great things, um, some some great changes that have us all excited to have our juices flowing again. That's an awesome story because, in essence, the Flyers have kind of rescued you, rescued your hockey yeah. life. You, you know, this little well, guy peeking over the boards. <laughs> I, I tell that story uh, to to my to my kids sometimes. This little guy, and he he was a wonderful gentleman. He'd been a Flyer scout forever, Eric Coville, and uh, God rest the soul. But he he uh, yeah, and he was a tough. He loved tough hockey players. He, you know, I'm sure he had his hand in drafting. Uh, you know, Schultze and, and yeah. the Hound and, you know, all the tough players in the Flyers that come up in the Flyers organization over the years. Wow. Um, let me ask you, because you, you mentioned you played at the University of Minnesota and you played for another great USA hockey man, and that is Herb Brooks. What was your, your experience like playing for Herb Brooks? Well, you know what? I had a, I was one of Herbie's favorites because we're from the same area in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. We're, both from the, we're both from the east side of St. Paul. So he – and – he, he liked me because I was very, um, you know, at the time I, I had played after high school, I played one year of junior hockey. And then uh, I, I was fortunate to get a scholarship to play for Herb. And uh, he, he, he liked me right from the get go. And he, um, he used to wink at me when, you know, he, he knew I was a fit player, so he never had to worry about me, but he was in the, like he pushed his teams and some of the stories, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the movie about the U S Olympic team when they won, uh, again, some of the again, stuff he did. Again. Like he, was, he was notorious for that, for driving his players in practice and pushing them. And, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about Herb. One time I was playing, we were playing a game and the line I was on, we had a good shift and uh, we were putting a lot of pressure on in the offensive zone and, the goalie made a save and there's a whistle and there's a face off to the goalie's left. And I, I look over to the bench and all of a sudden there's a line change coming out. So I put my hand up and I go like this, like to her, wave, like wave those guys back. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, uh, you know, the line continued to come on the ice and I went to the bench and 
the, at the home rink at the University of Minnesota game rink at that time, there was this little bench in the in back of the main bench. And uh, he pointed to that bench when I came off. He never said a word. He pointed to the bench. And I sat on that bench for, for the rest of the game. <laughs> Don't wave and, off the coach. Yeah. And then after the game, we won the game. After Afterwards, I, um, I got in the shower. I'm coming out. I'm getting ready to leave, go back to my dorm. And uh, he grabbed me by the back of my jacket as I was walking up, walk, walking kind of up the steps, pulled me into this side room and, and read me the riot act. And, you know, if you ever do something stupid like that to me again, you'll be sitting for the rest of the year or so, you know, something like that. But they'll name that little bench said, after you. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, it will never, ever happen again. Uh, and, you know, like I said, he, he liked me, but that was a moment in time where he, I saw the wrath of her Brooks and, um, uh, uh, he, he was a wonderful man. And, um, yeah. and he and his wife, Patty were, were tremendous to all the players. It was great. Um, what did 1980 do for the growth of USA hockey? It was obviously an explosion because of it and beating the well, Soviets and then winning gold eventually. Yeah. Well, you look at the, the, the class of, uh, you know, the players that played in 1996 in the World Cup when the USA won the World Cup of hockey. You got uh, Billy Guerin and Madonna and Keith Kachuk and Brian Leach and Darian Hatcher and Chris Chelios. Uh, Mike Richter was a goalie. Uh, Pat LaFontaine, Tony Amante, John LeClaire. Like, all those players were, were, uh, were affected by we're probably 10 or 12 years old, right? When, 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 yep. when the U S won the gold medal. Yep. And that's, that's the boom. Like that's to me, that's the greatest generation of USA hockey to, to date. I mean, in, in terms of accomplishments and I mean, the U S Olympic team from 80 is great, but the 96 world cup team is the, is, is the follow-up to that, to what happened in 1980. And that, that just cemented the, the growth of USA hockey, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, you look at today. Like I said yesterday in the interview with, uh, for the Hall of Fame stuff, I, I don't know what the percentage of players is of U.S. players in the NHL now, but it continues to grow, probably at a, a rate more than than any other country, and uh, we'll we'll catch up eventually, just because of the, the sheer numbers of of people playing hockey in the United States, yeah. and the coaching's gotten better, the facilities have gotten better, there's more players playing. It's uh, it's it's phenomenal, and 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 at the grassroots level, what what uh, the people, the American development model that they run through now, starting from a very young age, it's it's uh, it just continues to produce good players, and and it will and it will only get better. Just like again, just because of the sheer numbers that are signed up to play. Yeah, and you're you're right. It's so organized now, and it's so thorough, all the way up from the, the youth levels and might hockey and Adam hockey, all the way up to the NTDP. Let, let me ask you about that because the growth of the game, not only nationally but locally. Uh, I mean, Homer, when I was growing up as a kid, the the, the rinks around here were few and far between. Uh, we had to travel quite a bit of ways to to get to rinks. Now they're they're everywhere, and they're multi sheet rinks. I mean, a lot of these rinks and complexes have four sheets of ice, and they're all full. So when you see these youth programs here in the, in the Delaware Valley with boys and tons of girls playing as well, it's great facilities with multiple sheets for, and many of these and all these kids playing hockey, what's that mean to you? 
Well, to me, that's that's a statement again that the, the job that that the people at USA Hockey have done, but it, but it's also a real statement to what the National Hockey League and particularly Gary Bettman have done. You know, mm-hmm. Gary, people looked at Gary when he expanded into some of these when he expanded the National Hockey League into some of these you know, crazy cities. At the time, everybody thought it was crazy. A team going into Nashville, a team going into Phoenix, a team going into the teams in Florida. Um, but I, I think in terms of growth, that's had more than more than anything uh, to do with the growth of the game. And, and uh, who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago, the first overall pick would be, would be coming out of Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Austin, Austin Matthews, Matthews. Was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Like, let that rattle around your head a few a few times. In the and desert. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and there, you know, there's rinks around there, right? When I grew up, you know, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember skating indoors till I was probably like 15. Maybe, maybe the odd time, and because we went to the state tournaments and peewees and stuff. But I, I grew up on outdoor ice, and the the outdoor rink that I played at. Um, was two blocks from my house. We used to, the, of course, the streets were frozen. We could literally skate to the, to the hockey rink, and then put on, you know, put on our equipment and, and play hockey from, uh, you know, sun up to sundown if you wanted to, and even later because there was lights on the rink. Uh, but when I, I think when I graduated high school, there might have been twenty-five uh, indoor arenas, um, you know, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul surrounding area. I don't know how many there are now, but there's more than that. And, you know, to your point, they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. And, and you mentioned four sheets. In Blaine, Minnesota, there's one that has eight sheets. Oh, my God. Uh, so, and, and, and guess what? They're full all the time. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real um, credit to USA Hockey and to the, and to the National Hockey League, the, the growth of the game of hockey. And it's, you know, I, I, I still think it has – a ways to go. I still think we're behind these other sports in terms of popularity, but but we're 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 moving in the right direction. Yeah, you look at it too, and so many people have paved the way. You're a big part of that. You, you know, you you're the first player to ever score a hat trick in a Stanley Cup final. American player. Um, take me back to that 19. Was it 76 or 77? You score a hat trick. Uh, or no, no maybe it was, was in, 80. Was in 1980. Yeah. yeah, against the Islanders. Yeah, well, you know, that was in, it was in the second game. Uh, we lost the first game in overtime. We took a penalty in overtime, and they scored Dennis Potvin scored on the. I think it was Dennis Potvin scored on the power play, and um, you know, it was a game we had to win, and we we won. We won big in that game. I don't really recall the goals. I, I you know, I played with Brian Prop and Kenny Lindsman, and, and at that time, two great players, Kenny with tremendous speed. I mean, we talk about players with speed in the game today. Kenny was one of them. Oh my God. He he could really skate. And and Brian, of course, Brian prop, one of the, one of the best scorers in the history of the flyers. Uh, We we had a, we had a good team and it's, you know, it's disappointing to lose that series. Um, We had a great year that year and to have an end like that, it was a real, a real blow to all of us. Well, you rung up Billy Smith probably for all three, right? You know what? I, I think they put Chico in for maybe one of those. I, I, I'm i pretty sure Chico played the third period. It was a, 
the final Absolutely score helpful. was like eight eight to three or eight to two or something like that. So I, I'm pretty sure Chico went in at some point. I don't I don't really recall when. Even better, you get, you get to bring up two goalies in one game. That's that's always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let, let me ask you about when you when you get done playing, you, you go right on the bench with Mike Keenan for Mike Keenan's second year. Uh, you're, you're, you're an assistant coach of his. And we all know that, you know, the Iron Mike moniker was well-earned when it came to Mike Keenan, especially in his younger years. And you were a tough player, and you played with a, a lot of grit in your game and, and you know, physicality. Uh, what was it like moving to the bench and working with Mike? Uh, it was an eye-opening experience for me, you know, coaching. <laughs> you know, you think back, as a, when you're playing, all you do is worry about yourself. You don't really realize a lot of stuff behind the scenes and what, what's involved with coaching. But EJ McGuire was one of the, one of the other assistant coaches at the time. And um, I followed EJ around like a puppy dog and, and, and tried to learn the ropes. But, you know, I always thought coaching was the second best job. Like playing is the first, the best job in, in, in hockey. It's just the best job. All you have to do is, like I said, worry about yourself and, take care of yourself and show up and play the game, play hard. Uh, what a great, what a great life. Uh, but coaching was pretty good too, because you're right, you know, you're in the action. Um, so I was, uh, I, I was sort of thrown in because fortunate Clarky um, probably put in a good word with me for Mike, but I did interview for like two or three days with him and they lost Teddy Sater. Uh, I got to know Mike very well. Um, his wife Rita and my wife Doreen became great friends. I became a good friend with Mike. Uh, I, I thought Mike, you know, I got to see both sides of Mike. I got to see the hard side and the soft side. And I think people, most people don't get to see that. He, he cared deeply about all the players. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, at the time, some players, and I, I can relate to that too, some players don't see it that way. You, you know, you're trying to push buttons to get, uh, every ounce of what you can get out of your players. And Mike was great at pushing buttons, um, but he did it for the right reasons because he wanted the team, he wanted the player to do well and he wanted the team to succeed. Yeah. Um, I think Mike was a tremendous, tremendous coach. Do you, do you think that in today's game to, to kind of, you know, break that down a little bit, making players feel uncomfortable to push them, I think is, I think it's important when guys feel comfortable, that it's comfortable. But if you make them uncomfortable to push themselves, is there still a place for that in today's game with with the way players are now? I know it's you have to handle them a lot differently than back then, but I believe there's still a place for that. Yeah, yeah, I do too, Jason. I, you know, and I, I think, you know, I think the players in the room too become. I've always felt that the coach is is just he's the guy that kind of like ignites things, mm -hmm. okay. And then when the coach leaves the room, it's up to the the players in the room to kind of go, okay, let's, let's get going. And when you have, you, you know, you look at the Tampa Bay lightning, they, they've now won two Stanley cups in a row. And I, I think they, you know, it took them a few years of failure, right? Losing when they when everybody else in the world thought they were going to win losing playoff series when they probably should have won uh, because of their skill level or whatever, but they've, you know, they're, they're, their coach, they stuck with their coach. Um, he continued to do the things he did in terms of teaching, but you look at the players in the room, like, uh, you know, Victor Hedman and Stamkos and Kucherov and guys like that, like they're, they're, they're carrying the, they're carrying the mail and they're the coaches bringing in what he wants done. 
and the players are are saying, okay, it's up to us now. This is what we got to do. And I think that's that's probably true with with a lot of sports. It's it's the players that, um, you know, you got to have the coach have the right message, and that player that coach has got to deliver that message right. But it's the good players and the, t- the leadership players that carry carry on and and really push the team. Back in 2010, um, the team goes on that magical ride to the cup. And earlier that that prior offseason, you made a draft day trade to acquire Chris Pronger. You knew Pronger from the the time in Hartford, and he was a guy that made a huge difference. I imagine there's guys that throughout your hockey life that you really respected in a different kind of way, and and he was one of those guys because he had a ton of skill and a ton of nasty and could affect every element of a team by his presence. Yeah, Chris, well, the first thing you talk about players like that, Clark, he was the ultimate yeah. player like that. But uh, Chris Chris was really good. He was, uh, you know, as an, I had him as an 18-year-old at Hartford, and uh, I, I remember the owner there was, I was a, I was an interim GM and coach at the time, and uh, he, he uh we had just gone through training camp, and we're, we're we're deciding whether we want to sign him or not. We had one day, and the and the the owner called me up, and I said, "Look, this guy not only is he, you know, our best defenseman, but he's 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 our best player right now. He's our best player already. Yeah. We cannot we cannot sign him. So we, anyway, we ended up signing him, and uh, the rest is history. But um, Chris had that, you know, confident air about him." When he, when he walked in the room, it, it, I think it probably rubbed the, rubbed some people a wrong way. Um, but he was a great leader, uh, similar to Clarkie. Uh, didn't say much, just kind of went about his his business. But when he did speak up, I think players listened. And Clarkie, uh, from the moment I came to the Flyers, he didn't say much. But when he did, it was, you know, it was it was always the right message. Uh, yeah. He and he, you know, he led by example more than anything. And same with Pronger. Those great players lead by example, in my opinion, for the most part. One of the guys involved in that whole uh, decision was Brian Burke. And Berkey is back in on, on the team side with the Penguins now. Uh, took a little respite uh, from being in, in management to uh, do some media stuff, but he's back. And I know that he's a great friend of yours and uh, a guy that uh, you know you have a lot of respect for. Talk about Brian Burke because he, he's a character. <laughs> Brian is a... Uh... You know what? He he's a first of all, he's very bright, very bright guy, and yeah. uh, very passionate about the game. I I, I met Berkey just from playing against him in in uh, in Minnesota back, you know, when we were probably seniors in high school or just out of high school. I don't remember when. And then I got to know him uh, when he came to the Flyers after he played col- his college career at. Uh, Providence. Before he went to Harvard Law School, he came to the Flyers for a year. Uh, I think he played a year with the Mariners and uh, got to know him a little better then. And then, you know, afterwards he became a player agent and, you know, kept in touch that way. And then obviously when he when he went to Vancouver with Pat Quinn as assistant GM was his first step into the ring of working for a team in the NHL. But Berkey hired me to coach in Hartford and he was the GM and um it, it didn't last long there, but Berkey had it falling out with the owner. And, but we've, we've remained close, uh, been together in a lot of U.S. Um, 
USA Hockey stuff, whether it be Olympic team uh, advisory group or uh, world championship stuff, uh, World Cup stuff. Uh, we've been together a lot. He's a he's a good man. He's a strong, strong advocate of the NHL and and uh, and, and the game of hockey. Yeah, he, he like you. He's he's done a lot for this game. Paul, let me, last thing for you. I mean, most people, you know, a lot of people play this game now, which is great. Which we just talked about with these rings with multiple sheets full of players. A lot of people play it, but they won't play at the NHL level. Some some may get a chance, and we're seeing more American players get there. So maybe just get to college or, or play some junior, whether it's D3 in college or D1. That, that's a, a lot of players are going right now and getting a good education uh, as, a, as a result of playing the game. But a lot of people, you know, the, the playing days end in high school. And with that said, you know, the game still gives those people a ton because it teaches you a lot. It teaches the concept of a team. It's not about the individual. It, you play the game for the love of the game and some can make it, a, a, you know, a job or make it their career. But when you look back on it, the whole thing from your days in, in Minnesota all the way to this day, going into the USA Hockey Hall of Fame, what's the sport giving you? What is hockey giving Paul Holmgren? Well, my, my life. I mean, I, all I know is, is, is uh, all I know about, uh, about life. I've, I've learned through hockey and, uh, What's that? What's the, who's that guy from the uh, old Saturday Night Live? Baseball been very, very, very good to me. Well, <laughs> hockey's been very, very good to me, and it, and it has. It's it's been my life, and uh, I, I, I'm very, I'm 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 very humbled and very grateful for that, for what the sport of, of hockey has given me. And you, you know, you mentioned players only played at the high school level. It's, it's 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 uh, it's it's more than that for for a lot of people, and I know, yeah, like, like Eric Lindros, for example. I know I know he still hooks up like two or three times a week and playing in a beer league up in up around Toronto with buddies. You know, some guys play in the NHL, but he but he also plays with you know Joe Blow, who only played through high school. Yeah, and I think that's something that you know you'd, you'd like to see happen maybe more around here. I know it happens where I grew up in Minnesota. Players. My nephews uh, played high school hockey. A couple of them played a little bit in college. They, they continue to play. It's, you know, it's like pickup. Like my my youngest son, he 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 played soccer in high school. He continues to play soccer today. He's and he's 30, 39 years old now. He's but he still hooks up with a bunch of guys and plays soccer. So it could, it could be the same with hockey. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to end. It's a game. It's a game for life. Whether you're a fan or or whether you continue to want to play. And, and that's what hockey's been for me. It's been my life. And, uh, and uh, I've been very, very blessed. Yeah. We get a lot of those in our beer league here in Westchester at Iceland. We get a lot of guys that finish college and stuff and they come in and they're, you know, I'm 49 now I'm still out there trying to chop it up. And it's uh, <laughs> you get the young guys come out and they still got the legs, but, but all roads, we say it all the time. I don't care where you played, how good you were or how high level you went. All roads lead to beer league. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not a bad thing, Jason. No. no? And, uh, and, and you're right. People are out there because the game gave them something and they still want an attachment to it and the competition of it and, and the enjoyment. You know, just walking into a rink, with an empty rink with a, a, a freshly cut sheet of ice is a sanctuary to me still. That's cool. I love it. Just the sound, the smell, everything about it. And uh, um, 
I appreciate, and I know so many people do appreciate all you've done for USA Hockey. You and I have talked about it before. It's some events we did a couple, you know, years back for USA Hockey and and the growth of it. And it's just great to see you're a big part of that. And uh, on behalf of everybody here in the Philadelphia area and, and a guy that's coaching, you know, a U16 midget team right now, uh, I appreciate your contributions. I know everybody does. And let's keep pushing this game in the United States because it's a great game. Thank you, Jason. Thanks to Paul Holmgren for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. We're back with another brand new episode coming up on Wednesday when Rookie Camp kicks off. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Wednesday's edition of Flyers Daily. I'm in love.